We all watch, read, or listen to the news. In an effort to stay informed, we search for reliable news sources. We listen to talking heads, we watch interviews with so-called experts, or we end up reading blogs that merely pontificate on issues of the day. I, for one, miss the days of Walter Cronkite, Dan Rather, Ted Koppel, and Barbara Walters. These were journalists I can trust for accurate and balanced news. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, I talked to Nick Toso. Nick is an innovator and a leader in the future of journalism. Nick has created a platform that simplifies the job for the working journalists, provides them with resources and vetted experts to interview. This relatively new, innovative platform Nick created is changing the way journalists are doing their jobs and how news is reported. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. Hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Latino Business Report. Today, we're going to talk to a very interesting individual. His name is Nick Toso. Now, Nick was a bureau chief at CNN. Being inside CNN and newsroom, he saw a lot of things that went right and a lot of things that didn't quite work the way they should. So he actually left that job, left a good-paying job with a bright future to start his own business. The man is crazy in my mind, but I think he's really on to something. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's Nick Toso. Nick, how are you doing, bud? Great. My parents, uh, 10 years ago, would have agreed with you, JR. <laughs> that you were crazy for quitting a good job? Yeah, yeah. I had a, you know, it was a great job. I loved it. I have fond, fond memories of it. Uh, but when a problem is so big that you can't ignore it, your passion just takes over. Okay. Well, Nick, before we get into it, give us just a little bit of background on you, who you are, and how you ended up at CNN, and then we'll go for the, your new projects that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, great way to start. Um, and also, I'd, I'd like to thank you for all the work that you do um, in your home state of Texas and just for Latinos in general. Uh, it's a great show that you're putting together, so thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, I was always, yeah, I was always interested in journalism, even from a young age. Uh, my first job was actually as a paper boy in a local newspaper when I was about 11 or 12. Uh, but the real path started later uh, after college. So I was a freshman at Boston University in September of 2001 when 9-11 happened. And shortly after that, I declared my major in international relations. I was very interested in foreign service work and the work that the State Department was doing at the time. And I actually landed an internship, my first internship, at the U.S. International Broadcasting Bureau in Washington, D.C., uh, commonly known you know, as the Voice of America, in their Latin American division, producing TV for a Spanish-language audience in the Western Hemisphere. So mm -hmm. it was really at that internship that I fell in love with journalism and media, and I went to go work at VOA after college. So that was how I got into this, into this world of journalism. Um, it was at around the three-year mark at VOA, at the Voice of America, that I was recruited by CNN and Espanol to join their newly formed uh, DC Bureau. It was the first time the Spanish language shows were being produced outside of Atlanta, and I was part of that launch team. Um, you know, we had two shows, Directo USA and Choque de Opiniones, and I, I grew through the ranks there for about another three years, covering elections, doing interviews with world leaders. It was, it was a great experience. Uh, and, and, and eventually I was promoted to be the, the bureau chief, the jefe de bureau um, of, of, that, um, of that bureau in D.C. Mm -hmm. And you decided to leave. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I like I said at the beginning, you know, I had I had great memories. I had great experiences. I worked with the best of the best. I still believe that to this day. Um, wonderful people. Um, and I, I owe a lot to that to that opportunity. And I'm very grateful for it. Um, but I was always very entrepreneurial. And um, growing up through the ranks uh, of, of a news agency like like CNN, you see a lot of wonderful things that work well. Um, but you're also always looking to optimize and do things better. And um, at the time at CNN and DC, we were handling about, you know, I would say three quarters of all the interviews, all the guests uh, for, for the network. Um, mm -hmm. You know, everyone comes through DC, a lot of wonderful interviews, uh, a lot of great uh, think tanks, uh, world leaders, everyone comes through that, that town. So uh, I saw that um, there were a lot of inefficiencies with that process. And those inefficiencies at times were keeping us from actually interviewing the most qualified folks on a lot of topics. Um, you know, at the time, um, you know, I was getting a ton of pitches from PR, for example, uh, sometimes over a hundred a day. Uh, but I started to notice that the, the people that PR were pitching us, they didn't really reflect the communities we were reporting on. They usually reflected wealthier clients. And I said, wow, you know, if there was only a way that we could get just the most qualified people, uh, the most qualified experts on our air in the, exactly the topic we're covering, man, this segment would be so much, so much better. Um, but it was very hard to do that, especially under deadline. There, there were no tools. Our deadlines were getting tighter. Um, you know, we were going through a, a period where we were shifting from, you know, broadcast to digital. So the content, the life cycle of the content was shorter. You had to produce more content. Um, so there were a lot of changes in the news industry that were, were affecting the way that we traditionally had done, uh, done news. And so we needed new tech. And I can and only imagine... Nick, yeah. I can only imagine, especially when you're doing the CNN and Espanol, that you probably had a difficult time finding Latino experts. Not that there weren't Latino experts out there, but it's just you didn't have the sourcing, the database to find those experts to be able to interview them. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You know what happens with, with a lot of just wonderful experts? They don't, they're focused on their work, first and foremost. That's what makes them great experts in the first time. They're doing research, they're writing papers, they're out there gathering information, they're not thinking about hiring a PR agent, nor should they, nor do they feel like they want to spend thousands of dollars on a PR agent. So they certainly weren't being pitched to us. And we had to go out and find them. And it was very difficult to find Spanish speaking um, experts uh, within those deadlines. And also, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, um, uh, Anglo experts who speak perfect Spanish. You have Frank Smith speaks perfect Spanish, but you wouldn't know it. There's no way of knowing. Uh, you, it'd be a stab in the dark without the. You have, and you have you have Nick Nick Toso. What, what kind of name is Toso? It's Italian from Genoa, from my ah. uh, from my from my father's side. Yeah, so that's an interesting story. You know, as immigrants, we're a product of history. All of us have our history. We have our family history, and world events and local events impact uh, our migration patterns. And that's no different from my own story. Um, you know, we were um, you know an Italian family uh, living in Italy. And uh, it was very tumultuous period between World War One and World War Two, and like right. many immigrants from from Europe, uh, we found a, a new home in in South America. Um, so my father was born there, I was born there, and I actually moved to the U.S. when I was two years old. Where in South America? In Chile, in Santiago. In Chile, okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah, Chilean. No, yeah, so it is. I still love those empanadas. I got to tell you, if I can find a good Chilean empanada, I'm the first one online. Here you go. And, and to your point, I mean, the world migration patterns, I mean, you got Latinos everywhere. And just because yeah. 
Just because they may not look or their last name may not sound like one doesn't mean they're not one. Um, That's right. So you came up with this idea. When you're in CNN, you saw this need, yeah. and you came up with this idea, a new product yeah. called Roly. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the younger folks who are listening to this right now may not not may not know what a Rolodex is. Um, but, you know, us, us old old ones, we remember Rolodexes. It was a fantastic tool for journalists because, you know, the, there's a saying that a journalist is only as good as, as their Rolodex, right, as their contacts. So it was very important to have a, a very developed Rolodex. Um, but the the concept of a Rolodex was was an old concept. It was a, it was not a digital concept. It was not fast. You had to fumble through the thing. Usually, it was organized by name, not by expertise. Right. Um, so the biggest problem that I saw was that um, we needed to keep an updated Rolodex, and it was very difficult to do that um, given the the circumstances that we had. So. Uh, Roly has now been live for three years. We have journalists at over 300 um, outlets around the country and growing very quickly using it. Um, but the first thing we launched uh, was this this digital Rolodex concept, where we would uh, seek out the best experts um, across the country um, in English and Spanish and have them create profiles on this digital Rolodex and then give the digital Rolodex to journalists all around the country. And say, if you are looking for the, the top experts, um, the most specialized expertise, right? Uh, if, if, for example, if a bridge falls down, you know, you don't just need an architect. You need someone who's built a bridge before, right? So mm -hmm. the most specialized people um, who speak the language that your, your audience speaks, uh, for example, well, we have that for you. And we're going to give you that tool for free so you could do your job faster and better and ultimately improve the, the quality and depth of the, the news content that your audience is, is consuming. Um, so that was the first thing that we launched and it went very well for us. And we started asking, uh, you know, what other problems are you having? I had a great idea from my experience of what these problems were, uh, but some problems don't translate from the network level to the local level. So I went to local stations around the country, my friends around the country, and I asked them, you know, what do you need? And they said to me, you know, like, it'd be nice to know what was going on in town. I know what concerts are happening. I know when there's an art show, but I really want to know when there's like a newsworthy event happening. Um, and there wasn't any system, uh, even even for us in D.C., that really gave you the lay of the land in terms of newsworthy events and certainly not at the local level. So that was the next thing we built. It was the news planning calendar for journalists so they could stay ahead of the news cycle, so they could plan their week um, better and have a wider scope of the news events that were happening in their community. Uh, so we built that. And then the journalist said, you know, I just wanted a little wow. bit more information about my audience. I want to know what they're consuming. I want to know what they like and they don't like. So we've built, you know, audience engagement analytics. And now they're talking about AI and deepfakes. So we're going to go for that one. And the whole concept here, JR, is to build all the tools and resources of a state-of-the-art newsroom on a platform so that journalists all over the country, regardless of their budget, uh, can have access to the best information for the reporting. Amazing. Well, Nick, I feel a little foolish in that you've been around for about three years, yet I hadn't heard about you till recently. Yeah. But then I'm not in a newsroom either. So um, so are you growing? I and mean, it seems like it, yeah. from what you just explained, it seems like you're taking step by step and it's growing bigger and bigger and having more and more resources. So is your notoriety or popularity or should I say is the usage of your platform yeah. by journalists uh, becoming more widespread? Yeah, yeah. So from a very uh, early stage, you know, we said we're doing this for, for journalists. And the way we grew was word of mouth. 
uh, we built a, a simple product that people were just sharing with each other. And we were iterating on that concept. So it was very useful for us to have our beta users, then our early adopters, you know, use the product and, and allow us to make the adjustments that we needed to make. Because nothing's going to be perfect out the gate. Uh, I, like, I love to cook. And, you know, sometimes you got to do the recipe a few times to really get it down. It's the same way with building a tech product. So we're iterating and iterating. And my focus was on just creating an amazing product um, for, for, for our users. Um, you know, three years later, we've actually grown quite a bit. We've received the honor of being named a finalist in the Future of News division for the next challenge of journalism and media sponsored by the Glenn Nelson Center at the American Public Media Group. And our division is supported by the Knight Foundation, which is one of, if not the leading wow. uh, journalism nonprofit. So it's a big honor. Uh, big recognition. We were voted uh, as a finalist by over 50 uh, industry judges. Um, so it was a very big validation uh, for us. This was uh, this is something that happened a few weeks ago. Um, and we're growing. We congratulations have, yeah. on that, though. Wow, that is that is. Yeah. Okay. Let, let, I want to stick on that for a second. This was sure. competition, and your name, what? The future of journalism. Yeah, the division is called the future of news. Uh, the future of news. news. Okay. The future of news. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're in there with other finalists that are that are amazing in their own right, doing wonderful things. Uh, but we're very honored that, uh, that we were recognized as a, as a solution for some of the problems that journalists all over the country are facing right now. What I'm understanding this correctly is basically the platform that you have designed can become the one that's being used in the future. And I'm sure there'll be other people trying to duplicate and copy and everything else. But I mean, kudos to you. I mean, that's very innovative to actually have successfully develop something to get that level of recognition. I mean, that's huge, Nick. Yeah, thanks. You know, we essentially invented the category. Uh, we, we invented the category of newsroom as a service. We are the first and only newsroom as a service. You might have heard of platform as a service, and there's a lot of other things as a service. We are the first uh, newsroom as a, as a service, the, the platform um, that is a, a virtual newsroom uh, that gives everybody amazing tools and resources that sometimes you only find at the biggest outlets. Uh, so okay. it's an innovative concept, definitely. So for a journalist that wants to tap into this platform who may not be familiar with it, what, what's the cost to them? What's the cost to, to use this as a journalist? Yeah, yeah, great, great, great question. So we just launched our local news initiative a few weeks ago. Um, we saw the greatest need at the local level for tools like this. Um, for folks who, who aren't aware, and we're sitting here uh, April 12th, 2023, uh, local news stations are shutting down. They're losing resources. Uh, there's been a lot of shifts in the business model from going from broadcast to digital, now digital to social, and and you know these things are happening, and they're really affecting how um, how journalists you know can can get paid and keep these stations going. Um, we're still figuring out the the solutions to those uh, today, uh, but we've found that these journalists have a great great need. So the platform is free. If you work at a local station or a nonprofit news outlet, the platform is is free for you, um, because we you know we're in the business of of providing journalists with with good tools. Uh, for experts, uh, what we've done is we've made it a very very low uh, yearly membership fee. Uh, so essentially for less than the cost of a press release, you could be on the Roly platform for an entire year. This is a very, very um, uh, innovative concept in, in the PR industry, as you may know as well, because PR is very expensive. Uh, so what we've essentially done is remove the barriers of entry for qualified experts. Um, and we vet everyone on the platform. Um, and it's essentially your experience and your expertise that that pays for your for your for your membership, essentially, because we use your fee 
um, to basically take care of the platform and keep, keep innovating. Uh, but we're not in the business of, you know, taking all your money. We're in the business of connecting people. Well, Nick, I have to ask. I mean, first of all, thank you for that platform. I'm definitely going to, now that I know about it, be digging around there a little bit more. But if you're, if it's free to journalists, you know, working journalists, yeah. and if you're, you're, you're charging just a nominal fee to the experts, dude, that's not enough money to run the thing. I mean, there has it has to cost you something. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, where's the funding coming from for this operation? Because it yeah. seems like your research, your tools, I mean, it keeps getting bigger and bigger. It, Absolutely. Nothing's for free. Yeah. It's not for free. Nothing's for free. And, and I will say to anybody who uses a platform for free, uh, and they may have heard this before, but if you're not paying, you are the product. Uh, so there's platforms that will not charge you anything, but they will sell your data. Uh, and that's how they make their money. We don't do that. We don't sell your data. I was once one of those journalists that uh, their email got sold uh, to PR companies through the big guys. They sell your email without your consent. Uh, so this was a very personal personal point for me. So data, privacy, and protection is very important to us at Roly. Um, yeah, so yeah, we take away a lot of chunk that we could make from just selling our data, but that's our, those are our principles. We're sticking to it. Um, we launched the program um, with uh, technical co-founders. Um, and friends and family who have invested uh, to date $1.7 million into our platform. And we have developed an amazing platform with our fundraising and our, and our funders um, through entering other competitions and applying to grants. I believe that we can create a very, um, uh, a very um, profitable business that values um, expertise because I think that the public uh, wants expertise. Uh, so whenever someone uh, an audience as large as the one we have in the U.S. wants something, um, we get enough people to pay for it, it could be very profitable. Um, and we can do good at the same time. Okay, that answers that question. Very innovative, creative. Thank you. Now, with that, as, as you have the funding, I mean, that's significant. Are you fully funded? Are you still looking for some, uh, some funding to come in to, to be able to expand the operation? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that we will be raising a, a funding round. We will be bringing on additional investors uh, later this summer. Uh, that's definitely something we're looking at. Uh, so as we scale, um, but my my main um, goal at this time is just creating an amazing product uh, and having our customers love love the product. We offer full money back guarantees on all yearly memberships if anyone's not satisfied. Because again, we're in the business of connecting people, oh. not in the business of taking your money. So, um, you know, money is important. Any investor will tell you that, um, you know, we need to make a living and we need to keep innovating. Uh, but I think if you if you do things for the right reasons, the money will find you. And that's really my my principle. If you create a good product that actually works, that people love using, the money will come. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. Um, so, you know, we're, we're people first, the money will follow. Well, let me ask you this, Nick, and you may not want to answer it right now, but just keep me in mind. Mm-hmm. Are you ever going to go public? <laughs> I'm taking it one day at a time. Okay, gonna, I get it. Well, yeah. when you do, I uh, hope <laughs> my name is in your Rolodex and it goes, JR, now's the time to get in. We're about to go on the market. I will, but, um, I will make sure that, that uh, if, we have, um, if we have plans to do something like that in the future, we will obviously file all the proper paperwork and hey, if, you're, if you're going to be yeah. if you're going to be the future of, <laughs> if you're going to be the future of news i mean there seems there has to be something in there but anyway yeah. but i also I, like I am, uh, I am honored that we're even talking about this uh, but again we're taking it one day at a time 
and focusing on our customers and focusing on on the goal, which is, um, you know, getting these qualified experts off the sidelines and into the important conversations of the day. And for those of you listening, remember, you heard it here first on the Latino Business Report. But anyway, what I also like, Nick, and, and tell me about this a little bit. You actually vet the experts, correct? Yes. I mean, because I mean, everybody thinks there's an expert. I see, there's some people yeah. I see on some of these news stations being interviewed. I'm just thinking in the back of my mind, yeah. you know, this person's uh, what a buffoon. I mean, this person's just talking out their wazoo yeah. and really has no idea. They're, they're pontificating. They're just pontificating on the subject, and that's it. So, yeah. what type of time and efforts do you take at Roly to to actually vet the experts? Yeah, it's a very important thing for us. So what we do with our vetting is we take the best practices as laid out by leading journalism institutions such as the Pointer Institute, uh, the Associated Press and others, uh, their vetting standards, and we, we, we really reinforce those with, with action. So um, we vet everybody who joins the platform, whether a journalist or an expert on the journalist side, we want to make sure that this is your primary role, that your primary job is to inform your communities because uh, today... Any business uh, can and should start a podcast. Frankly, um, it's it's a good a good tactic. But oh, whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop! What would you just say? You I'm give saying me, any you business. Want, you want to give me more competition, Nick? I'm really seriously. Oh, Jr. But it's you know the great thing about podcasts is that it helps you connect with your audience and it helps you speak. And it's you know putting on a podcast is all about community. And I think that any good business will start a strong community. And I think it's a great tool. Um, you have a fantastic podcast. You have wonderful guests. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, but imitation is the highest form of flattery. And you see a lot of growth in podcasts, especially recently. Um, but my point in saying that is that um, if you're a marketer and you're starting a podcast, that's wonderful. But Roly may not be the right product for you. What, what our experts are really looking for are they're looking to make an impact with with new stations and they're looking to make an impact with large audiences uh, and that's really where we see the greatest opportunity and the greatest need at the time so on the expert side on the journalist side we really make sure that this is your primary job as a journalist uh, true and true on the expert side we like to see a high degree of specialization and uh, qualifications um, so what we do is we work with the leading institutions and organizations to scale that effort because it's very laborious to uh, vet a thousand people uh, in, in a week or even a day. Yeah. Um, so we work with uh, institutions of higher learning, such as universities. We work with nonprofits of all sizes, uh, think tanks, um, and other organizations that have amazing folks and have vetted their folks, obviously. Uh, and we work directly with them to help put their plat put their people on the platform and thus bring more attention to the work that they're doing uh, in a new and novel way. Uh, individual experts can also sign up for Roly, and we do uh, vet you um, on an individual basis. We are scaling this with, with new technologies coming out, like AI, to do some of the work, but there will always be a human element to the vetting. But again, as demand grows, we need to find ways to vet you faster and more effectively, but it is, it's an absolute priority for us. Um, because what happens, you know, you go on LinkedIn, you could write anything you want, you go on Google, you could write anything you want. Um, we want Rolly to be a place where you can book with confidence, knowing that the job that a journalist would normally have to do, maybe an hour or two a day, that we've already done that for you. And that when that person is on Rolly, you can trust that that profile and that that person is, is reliable. Well, Nick, that just sounds amazing. I am, I'm, I'm excited to find out more about 
um, your platform and to start using it and utilizing it. But for listeners out there, now what is the name of it and how do they find it? it it's what, rollyapp.com? That's right. Rolly is short for Rolodex, like I mentioned before, right. uh, spelled R-O-L-L-I app. So rollyapp.com. Uh, just go into Google and type Rolly, R-O-L-L-I, and you will be the top hit there too. Okay, sounds good. Nick, before we go, and I, I just can't uh, thank you enough for taking time to be on the show, but I do have a question for you. We may not have time for it this one, but maybe it, we can do it in future shows. One of my concerns that I'm seeing is um, the lack of Latinos in journalism. Yeah. I mean, is there a void there, Nick? Is there a void of, of, of yeah. enough Latinos being in journalism? I mean, you look at the population, you look at the market, there's so much going on, but so much good things yeah. get omitted because people who don't look like us, don't speak like us, don't understand the culture, mm-hmm. they're just, they're not getting it and they're not getting those stories out. Yeah, yeah. When you have a diverse newsroom, you have folks with different backgrounds, part of different communities, understanding different angles, having different sources. And having diversity in the newsroom is one of the best news gathering resources that any newsroom can have. Um, diversity is very important. You have a diversity of ideas and you get you get things like that. The problem is at the time, uh, right now speaking in April of, of 2023, um, we are lacking diversity in newsrooms. And it's not just me saying it. A, a recent Pew study from last year found that by a com- considerable margin, uh, more journalists say their organization has does not have enough racial and ethnic diversity. That's over, over half of journalists polled said that they did not have enough racial and ethnic diversity. Um, you know, Hispanic workers comprise an estimated 12% of the media industry's workforce. Um, you know, that's in the overall economy, they're at 18%. So it, it lags, lags the overall economy. Um, and we need to do a better job of that. Um, Certainly, um, because then it reflects on air. Um, the diversity of, of guests that you see on air um, also follows this trend uh, where you don't see Latinos represented uh, and other ethnic groups uh, are underrepresented um, on the actual airwaves as a result. Is there anything can be done to get more Latinos in the industry? It's, that's, it's a, that's a, tough a broad situation. question, I know, but so here's the problems that we're having with uh, news, especially at the local level. Um, in many of the local stations around the country, we have journalists who are committed to informing their communities. They, this is their mission. This is their passion. The problem is a lot of these journalists are making minimum wage. It's very hard. Uh, in our local communities to support local journalism at the moment. We're still trying to figure out um, a good business model. We're trying to figure out how to pay journalists more and more. So for someone who is looking to make a lot of money, um, unfortunately at the time, journalism is not attracting a lot of those folks. For folks who are committed to informing the communities, there's no better career than journalism. Um, I think that we are seeing a really... um, exciting trend of independent journalists starting podcasts, starting substacks, finding ways to monetize that. And I really do believe that journalism isn't dying. It's just changing and it's fragmenting into these new forms of journalists. And hopefully uh, more Latinos will find ways to monetize 
uh, the content that they're delivering to their audiences and communities, and we can see an uptick um, in 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 Latinos in journalism. Um, but you know, newsroom jobs are getting slashed, and that's affecting everybody, not not Latinos. Um, so we are going through a bit of a transition phase. Um, I I would encourage any person, any Latino listening to this podcast uh, right now that wants to enter journalism, uh, you can start today. Start a newsletter. Talk to your communities. See what your community cares about. You can be a journalist today. You don't need to wait for an offer letter from CNN Espanol to become a journalist. You should start today and do it. And from a very early stage, figure out how you're going to monetize that so it's sustainable for you. And I think that that is the path for, for Latinos to, who want to get into journalism today and anybody who wants to get into journalism today. Um, because you, you, if you want to get into journalism, it's because you're passionate. And you're not going to give up because, you know, uh, you know, money is a little tight. You're going to find a way to do it. Uh, we just have to find more ways to to make it sustainable for folks to stay in the industry. I think that is some great advice. And I think to your point, as a entry-level journalist into the local market, yes, they are making minimum wage or barely. I mean, the kid over McDonald's or, or Wendy's is making more per hour than some of these journalists are actually making. Yeah, you know, and that's really part of Corderoli's mission because we see them. We see journalists all over the country committed to informing their communities, to reporting for their communities. We, we admire that commitment and we support them with the best tools and resources that we can create for you. So if, if you have that commitment to, to informing your community, Roli will support you with the tools and resources of, of the, the newest, largest newsroom, I don't, I don't care if you're a team of one or two or three, uh, you can have those resources that, that the big guys once had. That is amazing. I definitely plan on tapping into your Rolodex over there and, and um, using some of that, Nick, so thank you. Thank you for being on the show. It's been very informative. I know that our listeners gained a lot. I know I did. Um, but before we go, is there anything, any thoughts or anything you'd like to leave us with? Yeah, you know, I think that um, maybe us, we in the media haven't done a great job at explaining what it is we exactly do. Uh, sometimes there's TV shows and movies that sensationalize uh, the, 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 the job of being a journalist. Um, and I think that as a founder, if I could bring a little transparency back to that process, it's mission accomplished. Okay, for whatever it's worth, I did watch the movie Citizen Kane multiple times. I don't think that equates to modern journalism, but it was still a great movie. Those are the golden Nick, days. thanks. Yep. Thanks for joining us. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez, and you can find us at latinobusinessreport.com. Our entire library is also on YouTube for those who prefer that platform. We're very excited about we're having some new changes coming up. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll see you next time.